Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. What is up, everybody? I am Chris Sinclair, and I am beyond excited for tonight. Uh, I have been waiting for this moment for a very long time, and I'm going to beat Drew to the punch here because uh, he usually does his part, and I'm going to do it first because uh, that's what happens when you get to speak first. I'm going to fanboy out real hard tonight. Uh, the the guest that we are getting ready to speak to has been an icon of, of the industry and someone that I have uh, – I've been following their career very closely um, – since i got into the mixology game and 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 since i was a bartender and i gotta tell you i have made an ass myself more than a few times at at their bar in the bravado of youth and uh you know what i i've learned from it and thank god he didn't know who i was at that point in time uh anyway (laughs) drew how are you doing uh i'm good fellow co-host chris sinclair uh yeah so you really took a lot of my thunder away i was gonna i was gonna actually bury the lead a little bit and i was gonna talk about how this past weekend i cooked on my big green egg and i feel like i'm ready for that part of my life where barbecuing becomes a big part of my personality i'm ready for that to be part of your life as well yeah you know always changing it up always keeping people guessing like what drew what is drew into is it batman is it spirits is it barbecuing it's gonna be like all of the above guys all the above you know you'll have a lot of things to cover at my funeral um but uh but aside from that and actually just just to be clear i do not want that to be part of my personality like i've seen those guys and i already have enough of those traits when it comes to spirits i don't want to add that to the list so um so we're going to avoid that altogether but i am also super super excited about about tonight's guest and, and for a couple of reasons one um his book has been a dope follow on this show um one of his articles that he wrote has also been a topic on this show so he's actually like kind of like a multi-time guest even though he had <laughs> no idea that he was a multi-time guest um he is the writer of one of my all-time favorite spirit books by the smoke and the smell our guest tonight is thad vogler thad i mean we're rolling out the red carpet we're excited that you're here Say hello to everybody. Tell us what you're drinking. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And we're going to try to like keep our fangirl in check right now. Wow. Tremendous. You really know how to make a, a fellow feel welcome. It's really nice to be here with you guys. Um, I'm just stoked to be talking spirits with people that are interested in it. I think it's going to be a good hour. Um, what I have is I was in Scotland actually last week and um, <laughs> we're working on 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 an independent bottling label just a small label to do out of our shop and so i've got a barrel sample of kill homan um it's the isla the 100 percent isla and it's a second fill bourbon cask at about 55 percent i was listening to your last couple pods and you're talking about scotch weather and as much as there's scotch weather in the bay i think we're having it now so um yeah nice pale color not too much not too much barrel just getting that that beautiful isla maritime grain and not to sound too pretentious but just very 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 delicious and uh yeah so this is the barrel that that's that we picked it turns out we bought it from your from your shop drew which is funny um but yeah kill Holman. <laughs> i uh i'm so excited that because because now i need to i need to find a way to get a bottle obviously um the 100 percent isla 
is my favorite series of whiskeys that come from Kilhoman. And just so our, so our, what our, what makes it the hundred percent Isla is that, you know, Kilhoman really prides itself on being more farm than distillery. And um, so all the barley that they use, they actually grow themselves. And that's actually uh, covered in your book. Uh, and you have some really great conversations with Anthony Willis as well, who's, who's the owner of Kilhoman. And there's like some really beautiful lines in it too. Like, like just so you know, like my book is just like marked up and highlighted to, to, to all hell, just like of all the things I thought were interesting and stuff like that. So, you know, again, if, if you have like, we're, you know, we're getting into the holiday season. And so if you have someone in your life, that's like into spirits or into like, you know, travel, this is also a great book for that too. Um, you know, I just, for, for me, I mean, I read it a couple of years after it came out, but it just was like, I just felt like it really filled a need for me. Then like this void that was like left from like good travel, reading um and so i mean again i came to a little bit later but uh it just it's just really awesome but i love the fact that that you're doing the 100 percent isla and the fact that you were in scotland to pick it too because like all of you know any barrel picks that i've done with kill so far with any of my accounts you know it's been like they ship the samples over it's still really cool it's fun to be a part of but it's not it's not the part the process of actually being at the distillery so one of the things that we joke about on this show is getting quote unquote wineried. And that means that when you're at the winery, you kind of fall in love with the aesthetic. You fall in love with yeah. like, you know, just the entire experience. And then like you take that wine home and you're like, shit, <laughs> this is, this, there's, this is, this is not romantic in my kitchen. I don't understand why. Um, so with that being the case and, and being in such a beautiful place, like, like Isla and being at that distillery, I mean, when you got back, I mean, was there any trepidation when like, when you went to crack that bottle for the first time, be like, Oh my God, did, did we pick the right thing? You know, or how does that go for you? No, man, that's such a great, such a great observation. So many times of me, like cider, whenever I'm in, whenever I'm in France in, in Normandy, and I'm drinking cider and I think, God, this is so fucking good. And then I get, I get home and an open bottle and it's just like, you know, it's bratty and dirty and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work in, in, <laughs> in San Francisco the way it does in like in a farm in Normandy. But I, I narrowed it to two, to two barrels, came home with the samples and tasted them here for exactly that reason. And interestingly enough, the one I would have chosen there is not the one I chose here. I chose, um, it was a first fill and a second fill bourbon. And, um, I thought I was going to pick the first fill there. Uh, after, uh, James was there. I didn't see his dad, but, um, yeah. So that's hilarious. That's so much a part of traveling. And, and especially if it's some kind of sort of rare, bizarre thing that you've never had and you're standing by a fire or, or, you know, a farm or a wild or an animal, or some foreign person and just feels just right. Yeah, and how it travels is a huge consideration. That's a very, very great point. Oh, well, that's what we do here. Just nothing but great points across, yeah. across the board. <laughs> I mean, that's, well, that's why we're pros. Um, so, you know, in, in your book, like, you know, what you, you travel to, you kind of break it up into, you know, four different sections where you're traveling to different places <clears> and <throat> each section is like this deep dive into that area um so where you start off in at least in the book is in um like cognac and armiacs and these different brandies and i that's just where like i immediately became immersed in the book like 
all the stuff that I thought I was going to be really excited about, like whether it be the Cuba section or the Oaxaca section, like I, cause I look, you know, obviously you go through your table conscious, like, Ooh, I can't wait to get to this part. But like, I was so enthralled by how much time and how meticulous you guys were about your brandy decisions, because I do feel that anything that's brandy related is so undervalued in the United States. And my favorite thing to do is to get people introduced to brandy, to have them say like, Oh, uh, I didn't, I didn't realize that I, that, uh, Brandy was so good. I was like, yeah, everybody loves it. They just don't know it because they don't drink it. Um, and for whatever reason that, you know, certain brands coming to, pro, you know, prominence and ruining the category, whatever the case may be, but you know, what, what was, you know, what's the appealing thing to you that you're just kind of like, Hey, not only am I gonna, you know, I'm, I'm going to travel this place and I'm going to get these single barrels of these different types, but I'm also going to write a book and that's going to be the first chapter you know, or the first section, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the trip I've done most. I mean, that was like the, the ninth or eighth or ninth year in a row had I'd done that Randy trip and the guy I go with Charles is hilarious and it was fun to write about him and the, and um, kind of the most familiar. So it was, it was familiar territory to start writing and I think it's very indicative of 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 what I'm interested in. Uh, you know, I'm very Gen X, like I like a lot of people. I got out of school with a with a liberal arts degree and started. And I was bartend. I had been bartending in school and just kept bartending. And and um, bartending led to traveling, and then that sort of nice quality of life in your 20s of always having a couple hundred bucks in your wallet and enough to get a plane ticket. And um, and just sort of enjoying that. And then before I realized it had been about 20 years. So I realized that this is what I'm doing. And then I started managing spaces and I started doing consulting. And that's when I started putting together inventories or taking people's inventories and, and trying to transform them. So that's what have been mid late nineties. And so I very much approached it like, um, kind of like records, you know what I mean? Just sort of like flipping through records and it's just like, not cool, not cool, not cool, not cool, not cool, not cool, and and just and 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 sort of educating myself. I mean, it's silly because, like a lot of bartenders, I spent the first 10, 15 years of my my career when someone would ask me about a bottle and I didn't really know the answer, I would just bullshit them, um, which which was such a waste of time. I wish I'd started sooner. It's such the the bar guy thing to do, bar person thing to do. Well, probably bar guy thing to do. <laughs> um, and then, and then when I started really picking inventories, I was sort of, first of all, it was like late nine, mid late nineties. And, and it was like all of the absolutes, all of the stolies, all of the Ciroc's, all of the gray goose, you know, the eight to 12 flavors of everything. It was just all anyone was drinking was vodka at that point. And it was just super unsatisfying. Um, and there were a couple of books that were were kind of in rotation, like that Wired book was was um, was out, and and um, just slow. People were just starting to talk about dilution and stuff. At any rate, it's just very much about negative, like that. No good, no good, no good, no good, no good. And I was very sort of brand focused. So if it was like. And I know you guys spoke favorably about Bacardi recently, but if it was like Bacardi, Diageo, Remy Quantro, Pernod Ricard, it's just sort of like I had a very kind of um, like, you know, very Gen X, like post-punk, like no, 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 no. And then it was left, I was left with like eight bottles. So I kind of had to go out 
and 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 try to find stuff and um in the bay there's a whole kind of tradition of I'm, I'm too tired to to put it any other way but the sort of you know alice waters farm to table like agriculturally driven kitchens and then natural wines are starting to take off chocolate coffee there's this kind of agriculturally driven trend that's super cool like a single origin stuff really really into it and spirits are just kind of feeling like they're lagging behind so um the french stuff was a really good first first kind of point because these are french booze is agricultural it's named for the agricultural region as you know um so it became very very easy to kind of explore this stuff as agricultural products um Normandy and Armagnac, much more so. Cognac is a very like. Uh, I think we're going to talk more about it later, but that's just the fucking. Whew, that's a beast right now. That's like American whiskey, basically. Like, it's a it's a big it's a big topic, but Calvados and Armagnac, these are like that. People don't even have their own stills most of the time, so they're just like growing fruit. The communal still comes by, they distill it, and um, so yeah, just. Um, that became a place to go, like a record store I really liked to like look for 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 deep cuts. So I just started going to France a lot, um, in particular Armagnac and um, Calvados, and then like some smaller independent producers in Cognac too. So long answer to a short question. That's that's <laughs> a, a bit of why that that France really speaks to me. No, I think that's great. And and even in that um in that section, you know, you're you're talking about going to all these these folk these small producers and you know, you're kinda of like you're like, I you know, I bought multiple barrels from these people before and I'm really excited about tasting this year's vintage and stuff. And then there was also, you know, a story about, you know, a guy coming into the business kind of through the family that was not passionate about it. And I think the the thing that I really respected about your writing style and something that I wish I was better at was like, it was very clear that you had, you know, like you, you were not stoked on this guy at all. And then there was like times throughout the book where you kind of come back to different brands and things like that about how you're not stoked on, but like you still did it in a diplomatic way, but also very much so conveyed your feelings about it where it was just kind of like, it's like, Hey, he obviously is not into this, you know? And it's not to say that you're, um, like, you know, your book was like burning bridges or anything like that, but it was, it, but it was still clear. It was just like, like, oh no, no, he's conveying exactly how he feels without doing what like I do, where I just like come out and just say everything right off the top, you know? And so I think there's a, there's this really wonderful balance to that, that I think is, is really solid. And, and again, like, it's just, it's such a fun book and even just the, uh, almost like the brutal nature of being on those trips because like that was something that also resonated. And this isn't going to resonate with everybody because not everybody goes on these booze focused <laughs> trips and stuff like that. But for the ones of us who have, where you're kind of like, like, Oh, it must be nice to go down to Oaxaca for a week. You're like, well, yes, yes, it is. But at the same time, it's also a total ass kicker, you know? And, uh, and I think you really, and, and I think that's what you really captured where it was this kind of like, you know, uh, whether it was having to get up, you know, 
two hours earlier than you expected or getting in a car accident in Mexico. Like that was just a wild story. And then also like, I knew exactly where you were at when you were telling that story. Yeah. I was like, like, Oh my God, that is not the place you want to be in an accident. Like, uh, so there's just so much cool stuff. And, you know, and again, and I'm going to come back to this book multiple times tonight. So just so everybody knows and eventually they're going to be like, okay, I have to go out and buy this freaking book again. Great, great gift for the holidays, even to yourself. Um, but Chris, you've been silent for a long time, and I appreciate your patience. Uh, what are you drinking right now? Uh, okay, so we started off with uh, talking about Kill Homan and JVS portfolio, and it just happens that uh, I am also sipping on something from the JVS portfolio. And I wasn't even convinced that we were going to be able to get this in the United States. Uh, but the uh, Pandaren, the uh, um, icon, Icons of Wales, this is the number seven, the Rhiannon. This is a lovely, lovely whiskey. Uh, I don't usually do this to Drew. I don't. Um, I don't let Drew feel good about his products as often as I probably should. It's really just. It's like a brotherly thing where I, you know, everybody tells Drew that his booze is good, and so I have to kind of call him an asshole and and not let him think that he's as good as he is. Um, not that he. Even well, let's made just this, be clear. But, like, I just get to. I just get to sell the stuff. I don't yeah, actually yeah. make any of it. So, like, you know, that, my I don't want to give that to is, you. Okay, um, fair enough. Fair enough. But this uh, this whiskey is fucking spectacular. Um, I I would say I I don't tend to do this and like uh, engender uh, whiskeys, but this is an incredibly feminine whiskey. Um, it is soft. It's floral, um, and yet it has this incredible spice halfway through the palate that just kind of like send sends you for a little bit of an emotional trip. Um, and and I I really love it. And then by the time you come back to it in the finish, it, it really it really develops this um this n- new understanding of what the whiskey is. So that way by the time you come back and you go for your your second first sip, um the the front of it is totally reintegrated into your consciousness in a different way. And I fucking love this whiskey. Um I'm really sad that I'm almost out of it. Uh, and I'm going to have to probably spend more money than I'm comfortable with to buy another bottle. But um, first one was really delicious. It's a super fun whiskey. And I love the Icon of Wales series because it's I mean, so on this one, it's Rhiannon, which is like a like a folklore um, legend in in Welsh like folklore. But they've done they've done like a whole bunch of different ones. Like the one that I really want is one that they did for their soccer coach a couple years ago. Cause it's like this bright red bottle and it's so obnoxious and I love it. Um, <laughs> and anytime I ever have the privilege of talking to anybody from Pendaren, like I always ask for one and I'm always like, I'm like, Hey, by the way, if you get one of these bottles or if you come across this, get it for me. Um, it hasn't worked yet, but, uh, but I'm hoping to get to that point. But I think it's a lot of, a lot of really you know, good stuff brought up about about the Pandaren. You know, they use that that Faraday still, which is the combination of you know copper pot and calm, which is what I think gives it those different dynamics to it. Um, and you know, and I and I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing to describe it as a feminine whiskey. Like I always call it like a gateway single malt because it does have some softer notes to it that tend to be a little bit more appealing. Um, you know, maybe to like your bourbon drinker or something like that. So. Uh, I, but it's, this was, this was a whiskey that as soon as we got it, like people were hitting me up left and right. They've been asking legitimately for well over two years to get this whiskey. And, 
it was just awesome. And it came out of nowhere. Like so many things over the past two years where like, you just have no idea what's on a boat and how long it's been on a boat. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, by the way, we have this and it's dope. And you're like, Oh, this is amazing. So oh, I'm glad you're, I'm glad that you're drinking that one. That was a fun surprise for tonight. Cause I'm also looking at that bottle on my desk right now. So <laughs> very easily could, could make the transition in, uh, and bring that in. Well, it was um, a fun surprise when you texted me and you're like, Hey, guess what we have. Right. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Dope. Send me a case. Yes, please. Yeah. Give it so to me. It, yeah. This, it was, it was certainly one of the easier ones and also the packaging on it is really beautiful too. So we'll make sure to <laughs> include uh, mm-hmm. some pictures of all the fun things that we're drinking uh, for the Instagram and, and stuff like that. So uh, no, good choice. Good choice. We're JVS strong right now, which you is are. important. I know. You, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't if and, you can't push yourself, then what are we doing here? Yeah, so. and you know, and just to, and just to bring it home, uh, the and this was not planned at all. Just for the listeners at home, like we just everybody came by this uh, organically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also drinking Kilhoman, and I'm doing the uh, the Machir Bay Cast Strength from last year. Uh, this was a really really cool expression they did. So basically, they just took their you know their their flagship of the company is Machir Bay, which is going to be your um, standard vatting of bourbon barrels and a little bit of sherry barrels. Um, but the difference here is that they went cast strength on this one. So it actually clocks in at 58.6%. And um, they have a couple of the sheep on the label, but they all have Santa hats on. So um, it was like a limited window that you could really like maximize sales on this bottle. But then when unfortunately initially like people were kind of like like oh it's just a gimmick because they're trying to do like a christmas thing or or whatever the case may be and then people actually got to try it they're like hey can i get more of that i'm like no that was <laughs> there was not that much and you you kind of scoffed at it originally so um so yeah i don't know if they'll do it again they at least you know it might be on a boat somewhere but as far as i know they didn't do it this year so this this was kind of like a one-time one-time deal or at least as it goes, you know, with kill home and they always have like those regular, those things that kind of start off weird. And then like, Oh, we're going to do it. We're just going to do it now, you know? And that's kind of like what I love. Um, what I love about that distillery. And, and also what makes me so excited to add for your single barrel, because, you know, being able to, you know, pick, pick those things out and have something that's truly unique uh, in a marketplace that is flooded with so many different options. Um, it's something that you've kind of always done, like whether it's, whether it's um, you know these barrel picks or uh, you know whether for like the Armagnacs and things like that, or uh, trying to figure out how Cuban rum is made, you know, like you're you're seeking these things out and you're trying to find these unique uh, characteristics to it. So, you know, what would you say between like you know batches of mezcal, different barrels of rum and stuff like that? How many single expressions do you think you've been responsible for over the course of your career? Ooh. He's deep in thought. Mm. This is a good one. Yeah, this is a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah, around probably around a hundred. Jesus Christ, that's so much unique spirit brought to the table. I love it. Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of it went into drinks. I mean, that's that was how we could move a lot of it. Mm-hmm. We were sort of in it. I mean, we we're in that trap that every. I mean that we're all in was like trying to get something, get us something single barrel and, and get it in at under, you know, God, we were trying to get it in at under 30 bucks a bottle so we could make drinks with it. So lots of young, like three, four, five, six year old stuff. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like all of it was, was, 
heart-stopping, beautiful old stuff, but it's just a lot of young, young, cool, cool barrels for sure. And then a lot of old, older stuff too. But yeah. So what is, what does that personal library look, look for you now? I mean, were there bottles that you held on to, or is it like you, were you really selective? Because I mean, obviously we all have ridiculous bottle collections and you get to a certain point where you're like, this is dumb. I don't need this many bottles. Um, <laughs> everything every thanksgiving or any every dinner party you just like bomb your guests yeah, yeah it's like here I you mean, go it's like it's like it's, yeah. it's a special occasion like yeah it's tuesday drink it yeah, you know exactly <laughs> um and then yeah if it's if there are civilians and they, they don't know you, you, you really end up hurting them but um yeah i mean i i'm sure you can relate maybe maybe you can't i don't know but i, I looking that's the spirit we were talking earlier about the spirits game and how it moves glacially but then all of a sudden 10 15 20 years have passed and um you know you look at a bottle that you have like like a half of an inch left of it and you know that that's completely gone and you'll never see it again and so i wish i'd done a better job maintaining my home um collection i definitely don't have like samples of all the lots i've got a lot of them i'm probably looking at my i've probably got like 30 you know what i mean different ones um older ones, emotional favorites, um, and uh, and then stuff that, there's stuff, you know, that you wish you could, no one's importing that you, you grab when you're over there. Um, and they like, you know, there are a lot of cool producers who are, they just don't give a shit about us. And, you know, they make enough, they sell it, and, you know, they don't like the American market or they don't want to deal with it or, or whatever. They just, they make a very small amount and, they've got their distributor in, in the EU and they're done. You know what I mean? So I've got a lot of that, a lot of that stuff, like, like wish list stuff. Totally. How about you guys? How about you? Uh, I, I mean, I think the, you know, something that we've talked about in this podcast a lot is like the last thing that I ever want is to, you know, get hit by a car and then be sitting on the road thinking to myself, like, oh, I'm really going to miss my wife and my kid. And why didn't I drink that bottle of booze? Like, I don't ever mm-hmm. want to be in that position. So mm-hmm. um, there's there's definitely things that, that have, like, lingered. And I do, like, have, like you said, like, the emotional ties. They're not even necessarily things that are, um, that were uber expensive or anything like that either. Mm-hmm. Like, an example of that would be, like, the Highland Park Valkyrie. Um, that <laughs> bottle means a lot to me because the the tasting that I went to with Brian McGregor who at the time was, was was covering yeah who we can't get on the show to save our lives even though he says he's our friend really? like unbelievable um that surprises yeah. me yeah well the last to be fair the last time I did ask him he was like uh he was talk they were just going through getting his kids into school and how nuts it was. And he like breaks down the whole day and he's basically like, I'm just completely overwhelmed. School started yesterday. And I was like, fair enough. Like, you know, fair enough. Like, uh, we'll, we'll come back to you. But, but anyways, um, Brian's really great. And he, you know, he represents the Edgerton, you know, portfolio. And he, uh, he was the first person to like really break down single malt whiskey to where I, I could like comprehend it and understand it. And it finally just all clicked with him. And so, part of that tasting was also when they launched their Viking series, which, you know, obviously looking back now, you're like, you're like, Oh, that's a really great way to avoid age statements. Um, right. And, uh, and the Valkyrie was just the one that I was, I was like, this is dope. Like I'm super into this. And so I still have this bottle and 
it's a it's a completely opaque bottle. So like I know that there's not a whole lot left in it. And I'm just at this point now, it's like every pour could potentially be the last pour. And I just mm-hmm. don't I just don't know when it's going to come. I don't know. Chris, do you have anything like that in your collection? Oh, man. Um, I have some vintage bottles uh, that I I I cracked open and I know that I know that they need to get finished relatively soon, but I, I don't, I, I don't have it in me to, um, to pull the trigger on, on some of those. Um, you know, funny enough, I, I, I have one bottle that I refuse to open because I, I like, I acquired it recently and I know that I'm going to be able to get another one somewhat soon. Um, but this, this one bottle, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to crack open. It's the it and it's the first edition of the three chambers. Um I just I don't mm. I don't want to open that one. I, I probably will never open that one. Um it's a really, really special bottle. Um which is which is so funny because in Thad's book he talks about the process of the three chamber whiskey and apologizes to his readers because it's not gonna be out for multiple years. But now it's out. It's here, and it totally lived up to to all the hype like which is yeah. which is insane you know insane insane you know, yeah it really did that i have a I, I we don't usually do this but i have a question that it's been bugging me and and drew and i have talked about this off, off air uh, a little bit and we haven't gone too much in depth because it's such an insane question but i feel like if i'm gonna ask anybody this question it's gonna be you do you think that there is a a perfect <laughs> a perfect spirit out there, whether it be, mm. whether it be a brand, whether it be a genre, like a style, is there like a specific bottle that is just like utterly perfect for one reason or another? Is there something that like jumps out at you that you're like, yeah, this, this obviously is it or anything. Open. That's an awesome, oh, it's an awesome question. I mean, I, I would answer it in a couple ways. I think there's eras, you know what I mean? Like, um, I mean, I'm in my early fifties, so it's been like, I remember like malts in the, in the early nineties and before, before Diageo bought them all, um, or and we probably experienced it with tequila, like watching brands kind of fall apart and it's like, what, this isn't what it used to be. And, um, but, but, um, so there's kind of moments, you know what I mean? And, um, and I would say like, we're coming, obviously, I'm sure we'd all agree. We're coming to the, I don't know if we're coming to the end, but we're at a kind of critical juncture of the, of the agave moment, you know? Um, so like right now working on, on an article about the, about distillados versus mezcals, you know, the decision not to, not to call things mezcal that's starting to happen sort of like declassified, um, wine, you know, so very, very indie, very, very, very interesting, um, super like political charge. So it's a really cool moment. And those spirits are, God, they're so fucking good still. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that is just fermentation that they can, these wild fermentations that are just like filthy and crazy. And then that carries into the, the distillate. So I think like right now, like, like really small distillados are just like, mind blowers but i think that the great spirit like if i had to choose one spirit like the best version of it 
it would be scotch because scotch has so many moving parts, right? It's got, it's got the agriculture, it's got the malting, which of course introduces, you know, peat um, and uh, the, the manipulation of the sugar fermentation, always interesting though, though sadly a lot of people can't do interesting stuff for, for, for reasons of health, but, but yeah, agriculture, malting, fermentation, of course, the, the, the aging game is just crazy in Scotland. There's all different kinds of stuff going on. And, um, and then regionalism though, regionalism is, is, is large, largely dead in Scotland. As we know, everyone's making stuff from Eastern European grain or Northern English grain, or it's very seldom. Like, that's why I think we all dig that Isla hundred percent Isla is that it's like, it's a grower producer spirit. So, and, uh, there's only, you know, there's, you can count the scotches that are made that way on one hand. So, right. so when scotch is like booming in each, if every decision in scotch is made right, um, it's just a mind blower. So there's this guy on the Isle of Lewis. His name's Marco, and, and he may, he's one of these people. I've got like three bottles of his stuff. And uh, it's Abenjirig. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, I write about it in the book briefly, but it means blood, uh, red, red River. Um, and he makes, you know, he's just this one man band who flies to Spain and buys a couple barrels each year. He grows, he ferments. He malts in this tiny, like, kind of barbecue thing. And um, it's not like that hobbyist thing where so often you'll see someone who's super small and a hobbyist. You kind of have to get a, a certain scale for it to be good, I think, sort of like beer. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But um, anyway, he just, like, every decision is just mind-blowing from the water to the fermentation, wild fermentation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I think when scotch is, is on, it's, it's, it can't be beat. That's what do you so guys cool. think? I'm curious. What, I, what a great answer. I That's a mind-blowingly um, in-depth answer for being put on the spot, which is why I asked you. That's great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really, really tough. I mean, everything you brought up about Mezcal, like I completely agree with, like I firmly, I firmly fall into the camp of letting everybody just do distillados and it's interesting because even within my own portfolio, you know, like we have people who are doing distillados and are and are so anti the CRM, like they just they do things on their packaging as like an absolute yeah. fuck you to the CRM, which I love. And then I have other brands in my portfolio that are like brand ambassadors for the CRM. And it's interesting to see their arguments for it and stuff like that. So I really I really get to see both both parts of it. But really, at the end of the day, it's like I think a lot of the narrative needs to change on mm -hmm. on how we view these guys and i think it starts with like you know so often and, and and rightfully so like you know they're considered artists and oh we need to protect protect traditions and things like that and this is something i've said before but it's like you know you really need to look at a lot of these you know men and women as entrepreneurs like this is what they mm -hmm. are and i think if people change their mindset towards that they'd be a lot more open to being like yeah like fuck these regulations and there's a couple things in one of our later stories that you know kind of like adding these like nickel and dime certifications and stuff like that, that just don't mm -hmm. make sense for the final product. It's kind of like, it's like, listen, as long as it's not going to kill you, like let's bottle it and let's drink it, you know? So mm -hmm. let's kind of go from there. But in terms of, in terms of the perfect spirit, I mean, I think, uh, I think I'm right there with you. Like I just, I really love uh, just well-made, you know, scotch. And, and of course talking about the hundred percent Isla, like, 
you know, it started with, you know, for me, it was like having that 100% Isla from Brooklady, right? And seeing mm-hmm. kind of like what a huge difference that made. And then, um, you know, another person that I've had this conversation with, I have a tremendous amount of respect for is like Robin Robinson, who talks about how there's, how there's no, uh, terroir in whiskey, but, um, Provence is more probably appropriate for it, but I do, but then, but then I drink something like the hundred percent Isla and I'm like, I'm like, how do you not think that this is completely driven by where this, where this barley was grown? Like this blows my mind that, there we're still talking about it. And then he says like a bunch of smart things. I'm like, okay, maybe you're right. Like, I don't know how to feel right now. Um, so, you know, as, as, as much as of course, like I want it, I want it to be, um, you know, like mezcal or, or more importantly rum to me. It's like, it's like, I just know that there's so many flaws in it. And, and there's also part of the charm of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I think that there's still, a good balance that, you know, when something is, is perfectly executed, like to your point, like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with you with the scotch one. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to politely buy, bow out, even though I, I asked the question. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I think I've wrestled internally with this, with this question um, extensively to the point where I'm afraid I'm going to go insane. I don't. Do you think I, you can make the case against Scotch? Like now that we've both picked go. it, can you be like, be oh, like, this is why you're wrong? That's a good question. Um, mm. <laughs> no, but for a lot of the same reasons that you, that you're suggesting, I think you could you could go, you could you could make the same arguments. For, um, for Armagnac, um, the the care, the estate grown, uh, the manipulation of of sugars and fermentation. I think a lot of those same arguments could be could be made for that. That being said, you don't have you don't. I mean, or at least not as often do you have like the aging game quite. Um, quite as on lock in Armagnac. I mean, you certainly do like, you certainly are coming across, you know, 20 year, 15 year, uh, Armagnacs, but at least in the United States, like the demand isn't, isn't quite there for it. Um, and so we don't, we don't really get to experience quite as much of it because the, the dope shit's going, going somewhere else. It's not coming to us. We have to, mm-hmm. we have to or seek it out. Yeah. Or yeah. Or it's, yeah. or it's just staying in France. Right. Um, whereas, whereas the American palate for Scotch whiskey, you know, it's coming here and the consumption, the, the pocketbooks, you know, we're buying a ton of it where it's, you know, at least for Armagnac, it's, it's not quite there. I, I'm sure you could make the same, same argument for Cognac, but I'm, I'm less, I'm a little bit more hesitant to do so, um, uh, because of the sort of the bastardization of what, of what Cognac has has mm-hmm. become and there's some like I, I, big I, big cognac houses for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> you know and and, and, like, and, eh. and it's still fine like they all they all have their you know they they have their um criterion that they they stick to for for defining quality i'm just not sure if i buy into that same that same criteria yeah yeah i know i would say chris i would say that if I was going to recommend a spirit to buy right now, it would be Armagnac. Like the, that's the value out there for sure. You can get, 
you know, 18, like that really sweet spot of like 18, 19 years old for Armagnac grower producer spirits for like, you know, 150 bucks a bottle retail. I mean, when you talk about whiskey, it's just like, it's just so priced out. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, again, it's because, you know, right. It's where the, where the it's market driven, which is fair, you know, and, and people deserve to get their money for, for producing something that's, that's uh, just incredible. But yeah, but that same that same watching, yeah. note with like gro- like you're saying grower producer brandies that are just outrageously stunning that just will blow your mind and and be so confusing to your palate that you like you don't yeah. understand how it can be so fucking good, you know, because you've just never had anything that has those waves and those dips and the you know the emotional roller coaster of drinking something so fabulous. Well, and then they continue to change, right? Okay, so last yeah, question yeah. before we move on to the to the news stories because we're definitely getting a little long <laughs> on our quote unquote this intro. Is so this is so fun, <laughs> by the way. Uh, good, good. It was you know it's it's funny just a little uh, behind the scenes like you know that was like can I ask you guys questions? You're like oh my god yes like you know can you please uh, can you please do that? But. Um, so, so that we're just going to leave it. You're the only one that's going to answer this because me and Chris have talked about this extensively. But mm. do spirits change in the bottle now unopened? Do you think they continue to change at all? I do. I do. We're in good company. <laughs> we're very validated right now. So, yeah, for uh, sure. For sure. <laughs> you, guys, you guys agree, right? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. No, absolutely. We, we are. It's just, you know, we've, we've, it's sometimes people don't feel the same way. So, and in particular, like, like good spirits. I mean, that's where like non chill filtered good spirits. Definitely. Totally. Definitely. Yes. I wanted to, before we moved on, I wanted to uh, honor something you said earlier um, about like not sitting on stuff. Like I agree. It's like, it's like a bottle is like, it's like a song. It's a moment in time and, and work through it and like, don't, you know, share it, pour it out and, and, and move on. There's always something else. And um, the way they just kind of vanish, especially like single barrel stuff, the way it vanishes in time, it's just a very, very, very beautiful. You know what I mean? I, I really liked the way, the way you talked about that. It's one of the few times I can be romantic. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, ask my wife. She knows. Uh, okay. I think it's time for our opinions on facts that we heard from reputable sources. So I think that, I think the funny thing is like, we've kind of already like really talked about this topic without actually talking about it Mm -hmm. um, in our first 42 minutes of this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't worry. Our most popular episode of all time is also our longest episode of all time. So, um, Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, we, we, we still have some time to knock out before we get to that place, but people, when it's a good conversation, people are into it. So hopefully people for the same way about this. Um, All right. So what we want to talk about is the fact that this, little brandy like object or item cognac their sales are stronger than ever um 
from October 2020 to October 2021, there was an increase of 23% over the past year. Um, that's 226 million bottles uh, came to the U.S. Uh, the U.S. is the biggest marketplace. Uh, there's they're they're trying to figure out like really what are all the different factors uh, that are that are playing into this. Um, but I I throw it to you guys. So Thad, what do you think? are the reasons for this like really ridiculous surge in cognac sales over the past year? Well, um, I was in cognac um, a month ago and um, I can tell you what people are talking about there is, um, is uh, Doucet, the, the Jay-Z cognac is mm. exploding. And now they're, you know, the way cognac works is, is there's all these small producers, the brands, they're not really producers. Mortel, Remy, Corvassier, they, they're just buying from people, chill filtering, putting caramel in it, you know, and, and, and pumping it out a huge volume. So, so it's like, there's, it's running dry. And now, and now apparently Otard, who's the house that bottles do say is now like paying more and trying to buy up all the brandies and everyone's freaking out and um, they're freaking out about the American market. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think it's taking off because people see it as an agricultural spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I was hoping for better. (laughs) Though. Yeah. I I don't want to be cynical. I mean, I, I, I I love being cynical. I'm very cynical, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, these are, we know these are just such heavily, heavily manipulated spirits. They're distilled to a very high alcohol by volume. They're, 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 they're putting tons of, they're literally putting sugar and caramel quantities of it. We, we, that would surprise anyone and chill filtering it to death. So um, you get, it's just, it's just like, the thing I always think like if you put a little like, Whenever, often when I'm doing tastings, I'll like I'll bring a grower, producer, Armagnac, or even a small cognac or whatever, and then I'll bring like you know a, a, a Hennessy VS or something, and like put a little on your hands, and you smell it, and it just smells like um smells like flat coke. It's just that 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 caramel coloring and the absence of any any trace of um the base ingredient. Like it's not like a good Armagnac is is, is wine like, and you get the acidity of the, of the grapes and, and, um, you know, uh, so I think it's it, like everything it's marketing and it's, it's these, th- these people are artful producers. They're, they're really able to control the apparatus and get something to people that's sweet. It's not challenging. It feels prestigious because it's mahogany colored and, um, then it's very well marketed. I don't know. You know, I, I'm a big NBA fan and I'm like, cannot believe all the cognac ads right now multiple houses you know what i mean it's um it's interesting what do you guys think well before before we move on to to our thoughts like when you you know being that you were just there and Mm. you know in talking with some of these producers i mean is there I mean, I don't know. I guess like is is the overwhelming sentiment just kind of being like, well, I guess our private batches are null and void this year because there's no way we can say no to these prices that they're offering. Or is there 
you know, a bit of kind of like we're fighting back against it a little bit. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of differing opinions, but like what, what was the sentiment that you were getting when you were actually there talking with these producers? No, for sure. All of the above. That's a great question. And there are, there are people that have been like, I've been selling to Remy. My dad sold to Remy. We've been, they're very proud of the accomplishments of these, of these houses and, you know, their, their company They're and um, you know, they're just ride or die. And then there are people that are like, you know, fuck you. Um, <laughs> the big, the big thing is like my, you know, one of our favorite, one of the people i I, I bought the most barrels from like he it's it, it the market's weird like right now it's a seller's market right like there's all this demand so all of these small all of the you know there's thousand literally i think there's a couple thousand small producers that are that are supplying um all the houses and right now they can you know it, it, it's their market but there have been years where it's like it's the buyer's market and the houses are just setting the price, you know, it's very, so in that respect, it's very agricultural. Like there can be these, these vintages where it's just like, you know what, we're going to give you half of what we paid. We got, we gave you last year and they can, they can take it or not. And if they haven't been doing their own bottlings, they're kind of, they're, they're trapped. So, so that there's that kind of like frustrated independent spirit, though, very, 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 very few. And then there's a lot of people that like, I mean, cognac is prosperous. Like it's very middle class, upper middle class. Like Mercedes in the driveway. Kids go to college, um, and uh, you know, and that's why these these brands they engender a certain stability. Um, you know, because this is agriculture, and in the rest of the world, agriculture is so precarious. But here, it's just like the, the money's good, and if you have a good relationship with the house, yeah, they can fuck you. But the fact is. Um, especially when the market's growing the way it is, it's stability and you can take a vacation. You can put your, you send, you know, send your kids to school and, 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 and whatever. Um, and so those people will often do like kind of recreational, you know, yeah, I've got a little stuff under my own label, but it's just like, you know, sort of the equivalent of, of the people that just sell stuff out of their tasting room here. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit more of kind of like, yeah, this is my side gig, you know. Yeah, if, yeah. If that, um, yeah, vanity uh, project, yeah. Totally, totally. Um, Chris, what, what do you think? I mean, I think that's a pretty, pretty solid answer from from Thad there. But I mean, are there, you know, being in the store, mm. you know, I, I don't think that you're, I don't think that you're selling the Doucette. Like that doesn't, that doesn't jive with your vibe. No. But, um, but like. I've actually heard from multiple uh, of my accounts that are like started to hit me up for like the very few cognacs that I have. And like there are accounts that like surprised me, like when I heard that they were asking for cognac. And now it makes more sense because like, I mean, if any, you know, obviously everybody knows how I feel about celebrity spirits. And so, you know, it's I'm not terribly shocked that I was like, oh, Jay-Z has a has a cognac. Good for him. But um, but like for you, are you seeing that in the store? Are people are they gravitating to more like cognacs and, and brandies or what are you seeing? No, you have all the wrong ones. I'm not seeing that. Uh, that. I have people, people ask me a lot for do say, um, have you uh, given in yet? Are you able do. to get it? How about no. that? How about no, that? I, I have not given in. Um, I'm, I, I still, um, Ooh, I um, have an affliction to making money. 
Uh, well, so that's that's totally the truth, too. Dad. Like, like <laughs> it's so it's so funny to watch all these decisions that Chris makes that make no money. It blows my fucking mind like every day, and it breaks my heart. And I'm like, I'm like, you could make money, and he's like, I don't want to, and I'm like, that's a weird way to pay your bills. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, I, <laughs> I, I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm just, not. you're not, you're not surprised. Um, you know, <laughs> we, you know, we haven't, we, we don't sell to say, uh, we have other brandies, um, that we push people to and it's fine. Uh, it's still not taking off in our store, but what's the, what's, what's the product you're most ashamed of? Oh, that you have. oh, great question. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to say that out loud on my podcast. <laughs> Dude, you can I'm say not, Dick Brandy. That's fine. Uh, I'm not it. ashamed of Dick Brandy. Not even a little bit ashamed of Dick Brandy. Uh, we, yeah, sell a, so, we sell a lot so, of Dick so, Brandy, and I'm good with it. Yeah. It's a, it's an Armenian brandy that I sell that, that comes in the shape of a big dick. So um, it's... Uh, it's an it's it is unreal, and I have it how, front and center in the store when you walk in. Yeah, I have a I, I have mean, a stack, a stack of dicks. I sell a lot right of it. The store. I sell I sell quite a bit. It's pretty great. Um, like it's suggestive of a big dick. It's fat. Oh no! Or it's literally no no. It's a it representation like, of a big dick with very steroidal re- balls. Like the, yeah. the like wow. um, yeah, the balls are very tiny. I'll send you a pic of it. It's <laughs> it's incredible. And then the, the the other thing is too is that I have I have friends of mine who um who have be, who have you know become big fans of of the Adam Brandy is how it's known. Um, they gift it to a lot of people and and things like that. And um, what we have discovered is that there are multiple models for the Adam Brandy. So um, they cater to the world. There are multiple <laughs> shapes and sizes and preferences of the uh, of the Adam Brandy. So uh, that's glorious. Yeah, it's uh, it is good. Yeah, and if you can, you know, you put down you put down that bottle and then it becomes like, you know, your most glorious decanter that you have on your shelf after. That's mm. right. Uh, that's right. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, um, I'm so, so, uh, but to, <laughs> to get back to our story on hand, I, uh, I find, I find the rise of Doucet though, a little validating, uh, you know, drew you and I talk pretty often about, um, wanting people to drink grape spirits. Right. And yeah, and while while people won't be getting an authentic experience through Doucet, they are opening the gate though, right? They're they're sticking their foot through. They might be holding it back on the uh, you know on the sidewalk, but they're they're at least willing to dip their toe in, even if it's you know even if it's for celebrity owned branding, and. And right. if we can get them there and drag them through the gate into drinking other things, the the experience is only beneficial for them at that point in time, right? It it, it only goes up from there. So I I I feel a little bit of validation on this um, because you and I have been going mm-hmm. back and forth trying to get you know trying to talk about getting people in, dragging more people in, you know getting people you know not away from bourbon but like adding a little a little complexity into their lives uh just to just to mix it up every once in a while so i i am you know while we know that people consume the general public consumes on brands um uh, you know they'll say hey you know the amount of times 
I, I've been asked, and I'm sure dad's been asked, you know, like, hey, do you have Jack Daniels? No, sorry, we don't have Jack Daniels. But I've got, you know, George Dickel, you know, sure. Here's another Tennessee whiskey. And they're like, eh, I don't know. Do you have Hennessy? You're like, well, wait a minute. You know, how does this work what out? And it's like, here? it's really, it's really just because it's what people are comfortable with, right? It's like, it's a name brand yeah. and that's, that's the Rolodex that they're going through. But if you can stop that Rolodex from spinning for half a second, which doesn't happen very often, but if you can get someone to just like stop that Rolodex and go, you know, hang on, hit the pause sign. Let's look at this for, for half a second instead of maybe yeah. this one, why don't you try this one and you know, or try this one twice. And then if you're sitting at my bar, why don't you try this one also? And if you don't like it, that's fine. You know, dump it out mm-hmm. or I'll drink it, you know, but go ahead, you know, give it a shot. Well, I think, uh, get it. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's a, you know, and, and, and for sure, if you can capture that people and I, and it does make me think that there's prop there's one other factor that I, that I believe is at play. Um, and it would make sense timeline wise as well. So if you look at, how the pandemic has gone down and where a lot of people's spending has gone into, right? Like, I mean, Chris, you know, you know, this better than, than most is like, you have a lot of people who came into the spirits world who had two to three bottles in March of 2020. And now they have 300 bottles. Like it's just insane. And, and I feel comfortable saying that because I know multiple people yep. who really accelerated in that, in that way. And that's just What's here up, Jared? in Sacramento, right? So <laughs> it's, yeah, our good former guest, Jared, another, another good buddy, Brandon Leon, like, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but I think what, I think what happened in something that Thad, that you talked about earlier is that, you know, whiskey has be or at least in terms of like bourbon has become prohibitively expensive right and it's kept a lot of people you know kind of out of the game because they just they simply can't keep up with the joneses and that's unfortunately how a lot of spirits build and things like that is that it's like, it's like oh this one's really popular and instead of being able to get it at you know that that price one that should be at anywhere from 30 40 50 dollars like these things are skyrocketing to 200 300 400 and you know, I think to your point earlier, when you're talking about like, you can get really quality, you know, 18 year old Armagnacs that are going to be 150 bucks. And the thing is, is like, whereas somebody might not understand or fully comprehend like the difference between Armagnac or Cognac or Brandy, just in general, what they do understand is age statements. And if they could put something on their bar that's 18 mm-hmm. years old, 21 years old, 25 years old, it doesn't it doesn't matter really what's in that bottle because the perception and, and again, this is taking the ego driven decisions that are made at a bar top every single day and putting that into somebody's home and being like, how do we get people excited about this? Like, like well, you can own this, you know, this XO cognac or this mm-hmm. XO, you know, this or that and like all these different ones. And so I think people are looking for ways to spend this money and like going after things. So like another great example of this would be like extra Añejo tequilas, right? People cannot Mm. keep them in stock and the garbage that is flying out Mm. of stores right now is unfucking believable. Like it just, it doesn't matter what it is. If it says extra Añejo on it, people have started to learn like, Oh, that means kind of like this range. Like this is the oldest it can be. Cause obviously people, you know, unfortunately always equate, age with quality even though we all know that's complete bullshit um but i think that is also contributing to it was like where people can go out and they can get these things and so you know your friends come over to your house like oh well do you want this 
18 year old Armagnac, you're kind of like, well, I don't know what the fuck Armagnac is, but 18 years old is, it seems like mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a pretty old spirit. I know that. So yes, I will have it. And now, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of feeding these, these different things. So I think there, I think there's a lot of those that are contributing to it. And you would, you would think by the time that if we're doing, if we're doing this year scale from October, 2020, like we're full blown into the pandemic, right? People's collections are blowing up, you know, bourbon stocks are, are running low. The, the Pappy jumped from, you know, was it 23 was pretty much like 2,300 bucks at by that point. Cause I had a couple of uh, buyers going after it. It was already, it was up to like 36, 37, which is mental. Right. That, and, and I had people paying it, you know, I had customers kind of like, if you can find it for me, I'll pay it. I'm like, I'm like, you are insane, but yes. Okay. Sure. Whatever, whatever it takes. But, um, but you know, obviously not everybody can afford to do that. So what can you do? Okay. I'm my big splurge bottle is going to be an 18 year old bottle of Armagnac or Cognac or whatever the case would be. So I think that also contributes, especially timeline wise, like, Hey, things have gotten more expensive, but that has stayed pretty pretty standard like the the prices on those things have not skyrocketed really you know bourbon and tequila i think are the ones that have taken the biggest jumps over over the past year in terms of like price for stuff you know because mm. people couldn't get it and then you then you start playing the agave crisis game and stuff like that and they, <laughs> sales reps sales reps mm. need that one line to the store owner who doesn't know where tequila comes from and they just pump that out and it's just the perpetual cycle goes <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so, Hey, those are all, I think those are all great theories on, uh, mm-hmm. on why cognac, but I think, I think at the end of the day, it's all Jay-Z's fault. So mm-hmm. thanks Jay. Yo. Uh. Okay. So our next story is actually about the, um, the ever-changing status of direct to consumer shipping when it comes to alcohol cocktails to go and stuff like that. The most uh, recent additions to that are Arizona and Iowa have now added themselves to, to the direct to consumer um, uh, alcohol sales, which brings the, the, the tally up to 20 States. So, you know, before the pandemic starts, like you really don't have too many things that are in place for like to go cocktails or bars being able to sell. Most States started to change those in order to help keep, restaurants alive and bars alive to very mixed results. Um, but now you have 20 states that are that are doing that. Um, and they're and they vary like most things do in every single state on what you can actually get away with. And I saw, you know, one of the states that's not on there is California. So yay for us. These these changes are not permanent yet, but it does seem like we're moving the ball closer to, to get into that point. But for example, in Arizona they have approved cocktails to go, um, but it also requires a special permit and that you have to pay $2,500 a year in addition to your liquor licenses to be able to sell cocktails to go. Um, so I guess my question is for you guys and, you know, and again, you know, dad, you're still in, in that part uh, of the industry to a certain degree. And then, you know, Chris, you have a long history. It's like, I mean, Thad, looking at that now, like if you had the if you had the ability to look at any one of your you know the bars and restaurants that you've ever been involved with throughout your career, it's like, do you think there's enough of a value add to do cocktails to go while also paying an additional licensing fee to do so? Well, 
I mean, all, all I can say is like, I, like, a, like a number of people, I just used code. I mean, I just kind of pulled the plug and started over. I mean, the industry was already, we've all been kind of scrambling to figure out how to, uh, to make this work. Um, and, and a kind of move that I was in the process of making was just totally accelerated by COVID, which is, um, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I want to be more like Chris and, 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 and be more of a retail. So what we're going to, we're going to have one spot. It's going to have a 47 and a 21, and we're going to start doing DTC of these, these small, uh, independent bottlings, um, sort of, I don't want to say collectible, but just limited and not, not like limited, so expensive, but just kind of trotting out releases and doing DTC and, and, um, that's very easy in California. And then there's about eight other States, I think now where you can just start shipping from California. And then we're going to, the market's just kind of, it's like the wild West. Like I, in, in exploring and Chris, you might, may have experience with this also, but exploring like fulfillment companies and third parties that are, there are all of these companies that are just illegally shipping booze to every state in the, in the um, in the union like yeah, yeah don't, don't put your logo on the yeah don't put your logo on the box I, yeah, i'm gonna yeah, give you that yeah, tip yeah, right yeah, now don't put your logo yeah. on the box <laughs> right um so yeah i mean the good news is like you said we're in california and the california market is the biggest market so i mean it's gonna take a while to 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 be, be to, to outgrow that market but the idea is 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 once you know out, outgrow that market to figure out inroads to other to, to other markets um but yeah i'm very interested in dtc i'm very interested in in um you know i mean i watch like knl just buy barrels and flip them and you know that's that's what i'm interested in doing at a smaller scale and and just kind of the cuts being like agriculturally driven you know grower producer just you know just putting more of a i think there's room we know there's more and more independent bothers so each one has their own kind of take and and that's our take. And then we got the 47. So we'll be have one bar where we're making drinks and, and yeah, we'll be selling cocktails to go also. Cause you kind of want to, you got to hit it from as many angles as you can right now. Right. You know? And so, so and, yeah, especially what that is bay, referring it's to, very difficult. Yeah. What that's referring to is like different license numbers and things like that. So, you know, yeah, sorry about that. No, 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 it's okay. That's what it's, um, you know, especially when we're, you know, over an hour into a, like a heavy industry conversation, it's like, we all know what you're talking about, but someone at home yeah. might be like, what the hell is a 21? You know, what's a 47? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. these are just different, <laughs> these are different types of um, licenses that, that you can get that just allow you to like, okay, you're going to be able to sell like as a retailer, or you're going to be able to sell cocktails. And so that's what all these different ones, and you can actually go to the ABC website for California and you can read all of them. They're super boring, but um what, yeah, what, I, I what, think what that, fucked me up in this article was was realizing that different states call them different numbers, <laughs> and by different yes. things, like, oh, yes. uh, Arizona calls them like <laughs> series, and I was like, oh wait, no, <laughs> I was like, no, I have to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to go to uh, the, I don't want to go to Arizona uh, alcohol beverage control and, and figure out what they call them all because I'm sure that I think they're it, all. I think like, it was. Yeah, it, it it's all like really interesting because obviously different states have different rules and and kind of what you're abiding by, and then you know the way that shipping in the United States works with alcohol. Like you know that to your point is that a lot of what's being done right now is super super illegal, and mm-hmm. um and it's dumb because you know a lot of these laws obviously date back to prohibition and are kind of archaic and really really are not helping. 
um, people just like, you know, because if, if you're stuck in if you're stuck in a state that's uh, state controlled and you can't get the things that you want access to, like it, it's a real bummer. Like, you know, here in California, you know, we we almost get everything and it's mm-hmm. and it's amazing so we don't we don't understand how easy that we have it like i remember being introduced to like the secondary market for tequila back before like the big tequila explosion but kind of being like this is so weird and then the somebody comments is like oh you sound like you're from california where you get everything you're like oh that's exactly what the case is <laughs> so um so yeah i i think the um you know this this will be interesting to see what happens moving forward but you know, one of one of my other observations that that at least I made over the past year and a half is that, you know, you you had a lot of restaurant owners and bar owners who had, especially in Cal- I'm, I'm going to speak specifically for California, in California who had this ability, but it it almost like they found the option to sell bottles and like the the to go cocktails I think went a little bit better, but like selling full blown bottles bottles like you can in the, in California right now, like seem to break a lot of people's brains. Like they just couldn't wrap their mind around it, you know, where it's just cause like, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know how to do this. It's like you add 30%. Like that's all you have to fucking do. Like, this is not hard. Like I had one guy literally say to me like, well, talk to my GM about it. He's better at math. And I just was like, this is not hard math. Like I am not good at math and I can do this equation, you know, um, with these, like, you know, these constant changes. And again, we don't know what California is going to officially do. It seems like they're moving more towards at least to go cocktails. I don't know how they're going to be with like selling full bottles. And then also like the full blown cause there's, cause there's two arguments for direct to consumer, you know, where we still kind of go through the three tier system. So like that, you get your place going, you know, you, you bring this stuff in through a distributor, then you sell it to the consumer, but there's also talk of suppliers being able to sell directly to consumers and just bypassing all distribution altogether. And there's some people who of course are, you know, majorly in favor of that. Um, Typically big companies who can afford to have big sales teams and stuff like that. Um, But just, you know, what are, what are your impressions of that? I mean, you're kind of shaking your head at like, I don't, you know, you don't want to see that, but like, you know, seeing a directly sales from supplier to consumer, like, are, do you see that being a good thing, bad thing, or what? Um, I mean, I think it being it, it's 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 just the direction that's been heading in for for a while. I mean, I think what we're going to see is you're going to be able to go to the McAllen website and order, and and they'll ship directly to your door, and uh, it'll be through a third party right. uh, fulfillment company, and that's just it's inevitable, and so it's going to be like any other retail that that like you said that 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 archaic three-tier thing is going there's workarounds already in process and um i think the way the market's going is these big companies they have so much pull that they're going to be able to, so it's going it, to it'll it, it'll be more like you know going to the the hermes or the patagonia or the whatever it's just these brands are just going to be even more titanic and um you're just going to get on their website and, and they'll ship directly to you and the yeah, the whole distribution model is gonna, gonna dis, gonna uh, as we know it, I think is 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 gonna disappear. But that'll create an even more of a need for, you know, dare I say, boutique or niche retailers like Chris, where people there's got to be some alternative. You know what I mean? So so, like mindful curators and um, retailers are are gonna be more valuable than ever. I think. Chris, I think you need to run with that tagline of mindful 
curator because that's the best way I've ever heard your store described. Yeah, and definitely. I've been talking I'm, with I'm, you for I'm way too it. long about this. <laughs> that feels that feels uh, <laughs> a little validating, which is nice because I've been down on myself for a while. Uh, so thanks, that uh, you've 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 uh, you've built me up a few times during during this conversation, which is great. Um, you know, I'm but, into you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, you know, it's funny because you know we mentioned last week. Uh, I'm opening a restaurant, and and what we didn't get into I'm sorry. Is, is yeah, and, yeah. You know, he's an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah. uh, you built me up enough. I had to like come down a couple notches. It's all. It's the only place I feel comfortable in this world. Um. The reason that I'm doing it is I'm so terrified by the laws that are changing in California. You know, um, uh, I think it was uh, um, Assembly Bill 391. Is that is that the one that we were talking about? I, I believe so. Assembly, uh, Assembly Bill 391 is is the bill that that was introduced that made it through Assembly. Um, uh, you know, bar none. Not a single, not a single assemblyman uh, voted against it. Made it through, made it through Senate. Not a single assembly, uh, not a single senator voted against it. It is sitting on Newsom's desk as of right now, one hundred percent approval. Um, just waiting for him to sign it, uh, which should be happening any day now. And uh, uh, it is taking so many of these um, these COVID responses to uh to keeping keeping the restaurant industry alive and making them permanent at very least until 26 and um there are no carve outs for retail it's giving it's giving all the power to uh type 48 licenses which are restaurants um to to slowly i think i think the point of it from my understanding is to close the gap because there are too many uh, license types out there and i think the ultimate goal is to get rid of entertainment licenses it's get rid of liquor only licenses and just have one liquor license and just try to like make it as as streamlined as possible um but seeing that is through the governmental point of view knowing that it like not to have everybody freak the fuck out you know probably taking like 15 years to get there um and so the the, the reason i'm opening a restaurant is because Restaurants can sell booze to go. They can operate as bottle shops now. So what's the point of me just owning a bottle shop if I can own a bottle shop and also get people to taste it and give them food and provide a good service and show them a good time in in a space where I could do that, but not, not at the bottle shop legally, right? So I'm terrified that people you know, other business owners will figure out how to do the very, very simple math or that, um, you know, John Taffer will go on national television and tell all Californians that why, why aren't they doing this? They're losing all this money. And then all of a sudden the, you know, the handful of places that might've been a little bit of a, a little bit of a competition to me. Now, every single restaurant in the world is my competition and they're better suited uh, to at least, logistically to doing their job. Whereas I have to just stand there with a bottle and go, look at this one. It's good. I promise, <laughs> you know, yeah. the name of my store is good bottle. So it's a good bottle. You buy it. It's good. You like, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, and that, that's it. It was sheer terror really. That made me, made me 
really, really want to open up a restaurant. Um, so that way I still had a leg to stand on. So that way I didn't go bankrupt and then didn't have a leg to stand on, uh, when trying to, uh, open another business. No. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm keeping a 47. I totally agree with you, actually. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we know for sure where it's going. And I, yeah, I'm going to have a 21 and a 47. I definitely, yeah. I don't want to, to miss the opportunity to miss the, the change in the market. No, I think, I think that's sensible when you put it that way. One of the few times he's pulled that off. Good job, Chris. Hey man, mm-hmm. blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, you know, you, but, but, but in terms of this though, I'm, I find the sort of the, the conversation about DTCs and shipping cross state lines, very fascinating. Um, I think anybody who spent any, any amount of time in this industry actually dealing with like the legal side of it, um, uh, ends up going bald, uh, like me and, uh, and like dad, uh, because, uh, a lot of it, just, it long a lot of it just doesn't make sense. And, uh, I think you end up in this really weird realm of like, all of a sudden talking about states rights, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and and it's a weird part of the conversation that all of a sudden, like it, it it like lightweight makes sense. But then all of a sudden you realize that like, it makes sense within a, within a bubble and within a certain context. And you understand at very least like the intent behind it, but the practice and the reality of the situation and how far out of whack it's, it's become, um, I, I think I think like what that's saying, like these third party shippers and whatnot, it is all just a reaction to it because it's just gotten so far out of whack that that your everyday consumer who just who just want to get something cool in their house, you know, and, and it's it's impossible to do. I think all of this is coming to an end. I and, and I don't know how quickly, you know, if we're looking at 50 years from now and finding some sort of like federal regulation that, that just finally puts an end to it. And you know how, God, if, if we could get back to a place where that's the federal politics, that'd be great. <laughs> that's what everybody's arguing about, you know, being able to get their whiskey or not being able to get their whiskey. It'd be, be nice to get there. That would be a nice change. Yo. You know, who's dope them over there. Okay. Now it's time for my favorite part of the show every single week. And this is where we are going to tell you dope people to follow. It could be their Instagram accounts, Facebook pages, dope books like by the smoke and the smell by our current guest right here. So um, again, one of our former dope follows, uh, they could be podcasts, movies, all kinds of fun stuff. So with that said, Thad, who is your dope follow this week? Yeah, I, I guess I'll say a podcast. Like I said, I'm 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 an, an NBA fan, and there's this podcast called Cookies Hoops, which is a cool mix of it's two is very New York identified. It's a painter and a writer guy that was written a lot for the Times, and they they talk a lot of pop culture. They sort of talk for half the show about pop culture, and then they talk they talk NBA, and the two kind of blur together in a really pleasant way and sort of like the way you've talked about this pod i think a good pod is just a good conversation and these guys have chemistry and they generally don't have guests they just um have a really really good conversation so cookies hoops um i would definitely recommend nice nice check it out chris who's your dope follow uh i uh i i'm doing a throwback because i rediscovered them recently and i see that you have liked all the things that i've rediscovered 
recently and then have also <laughs> been sharing them, Drew. Um, but uh, yeah. we're, we're going uh, way back because I rediscovered this one because I it, it occurred to me as an epiphany this week. I was like, hey, I wonder what these guys are doing and if they're still doing a thing. And it uh, turns out they are. And it's even better than it ever was. And that's bad lip reading on uh, yeah. Instagram and YouTube. It is phenomenal. And they've gotten so much better at doing it. Uh, and it is so much fun. And uh, the new the new bad lip reading from uh, from Dune. Incredible. I love it. It's it's great. it's so it's so <laughs> ridiculous. Like and and I'll and I'll be honest. I like fought bad lip reading because it got like really hot, like to the point where you know where I like the contrarian in me came out, and I just was like, I was like, fuck that. I'm not watching that because everybody else likes it. And then um, that's what I call the Green then, Day effect. Yeah, that that could totally that's that's it. And <laughs> then um, and then there's just like the the guy the the guy who plays the main character in dune like he like drives me nuts because like he's just made comments about like his acting career that just make him sound like a total like disconnected douchebag and bad lip reading just obviously makes him look it makes him look so dumb and so it's like i i ended up i ended up going down the rabbit hole i want to say yesterday the day before where <laughs> i watched so many and i like went back to his original post and you can see kind of the progression of of how this person gets better at making these videos and um so yeah i think that's i think that's such a great that's such a great pick because like the new dune bad lip readings are incredible like they're so awesome. funny yeah, yeah. Tim- Timothy Chalamet takes himself a little seriously. Oh my just, God, just that's his little, name. Yeah, he's like, yeah. he's like, he's the worst. Although I, I did like see a clip that he was on SNL, I believe, recently, and he was kind of, and he was being pretty ridiculous uh, on it. He did like a, he did a sketch with Pete Davidson, and he looked really dominant. And I just was like, I was like, okay, that that's helping, but like, you still have made a lot of comments in your career. It's like easy, bro. You're a fucking actor. Like <laughs> you're not, you're not saving lives here. Let's, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. So that's, uh, that's my two cents on, on that guy. Um, okay. And so, so my dope follow this week is, uh, is actually like a little news source on Instagram and it's called ride the news. And basically what they do is they take like four topics and they just give you bullet points on kind of like what's going on with with like that situation. And I don't want anybody to think that this gives you license to argue about these top stories. Okay, like this, this is not enough information to have an educated conversation on it, but it's enough. So where you're just not completely ignorant of what's going on in the world. And so uh, it's just it's little bullet points. Like I said, it's called ride the news. They cover everything like whatever is topical at that time. They just break it down. You know, it's a picture four to five bullet points, you get the gist, you're kind of like, yep, that's dumb. I can move on with my life now. Or, ooh, I need to look more into this. Um, and, you know, as someone who doesn't really care for the news at all, it's been a great way to kind of stay on, you know, at least somewhat informed of what's going on. But again, not enough information to start a Facebook fight. So please, that <laughs> is my, that's my, like, you know, warning label on that. I mean, you're, like, you're you, asking... People to consume more information and say less. I think that's a pretty that's a pretty steep steep call right there, buddy. I don't know, man. Just stay in your lane and drink some Armagnac. I, that's all I got to say. Like that's just that's that's my PSA for for that's today. A, 
That's that's the name of this uh, that's the name of this damn episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that's, that that's it. Um, those are some pretty dope follows. I like those. Those are good this week. I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited for your two. I'm already loading them up. Music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by Leon and Chase Moore and produced pretty damn well by us two guys. Uh, before we go kill these bottles that we've been drinking, we ask that if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It makes a huge difference, everybody. Please leave that five-star review. Share it with your friends. Um, you know, that is another addition to a great lineup of guests that we've had. Um, we have some really cool things coming up for you guys, so, so check it out. Share and if you ever want to be a guest, let us know. We want to talk to you. We have fun with this. Um, you can follow us on our Instagram or Facebook at the Good Bottle Podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison Six. Chris is Chris Sinflair. Dad, where can they find you? I know you're not big on the social media, but you do somewhat pop up on it every once in a while. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at, at Thad Vogler, T H A D V O G L E R. Nice. And uh, and where can uh, where can people read your uh, the different articles that you that you put out? Yeah, they're all on Punch. So yeah, d- done. Yeah, I did about four articles during COVID on Punch, and they can all be found online there. And uh, get the book, as was said, great, great Christmas gift. And actually, I got a stack of them. If, if anyone wants to email me, thad at baragricole.com or DM me on uh, Instagram, happy to sign a copy and, and send you one and you can Venmo me. Awesome. That's awesome. I'm Everybody should definitely do that. <laughs> I, I mean, and again, and, and I know that I've, I've talked about this uh, multiple times, but it's like, you know, I read one of Thad's articles and I was like, this guy is like super dope and we see things a lot the same way. And then I read the book and, you know, and everybody knows about my method in terms of reaching out to people that, that I like have a tremendous amount of respect for. And it's like, it's getting drunk and then texting them or messaging them <laughs> in, any, in any way that like, like it could be like an info contact sheet. And I'll be like, this is how I'm getting a, a hold of this person. Um, but uh, I just, I love this book so much. It's such a, it's such a beautiful, just letter to those like those really single agricultural products that exist out there and it's like it's such fun storytelling as well so so please if if you have any interest in and I don't take this comparison lightly and I don't want to put too much pressure on it but it's like if you were a fan of somebody like an Anthony Bourdain who really got to get like inside of these different cultures and really got to experience the people this is this is Bourdain adjacent this is what that is. And again, I understand wow. the uh, the pedestal that that puts it on, but I feel very comfortable doing that. And and I think, again, it's Bourdain adjacent. It's, uh, it's a little bit boozier, a little bit more hangovers potentially. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, which is hard to kind of hard to, to, to believe, right, with, with Bourdain. But um, – but yeah, check it out. It's it's super good. Um, and yeah, and if you can get a, a signed copy, like, come on, guys, we just gave you the plug. Let's make it happen. So, so, so there's cool. so there's my last uh, soapbox uh, on that. Um, you can also visit our uh, Etsy shop, and you can buy yourself a hundred percent celebrity agave free shirt. We have some uh, we have some that went out last week, and we're going to be getting some modeling pics soon. So, Sean, don't let us down. We're looking forward to getting that. Uh, I can't wait to see those pictures. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to be wearing it to his, uh, I guess, to a work meeting, which I'm very, very excited uh, that that's happening. <laughs> um, and then you could also 
if you if you want to throw us some shekels every once in a while, you can check out anchor.fm slash goodbottlepodcast. And if you would like for us to cover a story, or if you're working for a brand that would like to be featured, please email us at thegoodbottlepodcast at gmail.com. And as a reminder, you can drink uh, one of these bottles. Uh, you can get the Rhiannon still at the Good Bottle Shop. Uh, right. And then um, Thad's uh, barrel pick from Kill Home, and you'll be able to get it at his shop eventually. But go check out thegoodbottleshop.com. It's amazing. There's there's great bottles on there, too. Go support, you know, small business and, you know, keep keep Chris barely alive with making money. Let's just, let's just, just, let's, just let's, enough let's, money. Let's, <laughs> let's force money. making money upon him. You know, that's, that's all I, that's all I got to say, but, um, but that's all we got guys. So thank you for tuning in. Thad, thanks for joining us. This thank was, you so much. Thanks. This was, was incredible, blast. man. I really enjoyed it. Good. Really enjoyed Good. It. You hear that first. We got, we have been verified by one of our all-time favorites. So we're going to – we're actually – this is the last episode of the podcast. I'm done. We're not – we're we see. <laughs> You're good. We're, You're so we're, good. You're so good. We're, we're out of here. I happen to know you. I've, I, I've been watching you drink, so I know you've been drinking. Yeah, well, it's it's coming out now, right? So uh, Beautiful. Uh, cheers, guys. Thank you cheers. so much for – Cheers. Tonight. We'll see you guys again soon. Right on. Thanks, fellas.